Hi there. <laughs> this is a song I wrote for anyone wondering what the heck permaculture is. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello everybody. This is Dennis Allen. You're listening to the Dennis Allen City Boy Homesteader Podcast. A city boy who gave it all up to find happiness, financial freedom, and a better way to live life. Together, we can learn and accomplish anything. Today is February... Whoa, where did I get for it? <laughs> Today is Friday, April 5th, 2019. That was not an April Fool's joke. And today we're going to be talking about permaculture. You know, permaculture, oh, I should get that P filter, the pop filter for permaculture here. Uh, I've been studying permaculture for a long time now. And I mentioned it a couple of times in my prior podcast. A lot of P's. And uh, I'm going to be talking about it and how it kind of incorporates into my life. And kind of how it's like the reason um, I'm out here in central Pennsylvania. So, see, another Pennsylvania. <laughs> We're going to talk about what it is, um, how it's applying to my homestead building, my former life even in Jersey City, and just overall a better way to design your life, how you could use it to design a better lifestyle for yourself. Um, and that's a big part and part of this podcast in Pennsylvania. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll be talking about the different tiers of permaculture. Um, there's three ethics in permaculture, uh, care of the earth, care of people, and return of surplus. So we're going to go through those in some nice detail. Uh, there's five different zones of permaculture. When you're designing a property, property and permaculture, please. When you're designing a property, um, there's five different zones of permaculture. So I'm going to go the difference between gives you um, my city permaculture designing and my country designs here in Pennsylvania. Also, the going to go through the different layers of permaculture. So when you're designing, how are you designing your your outdoor living? So there's different layers in that too. And believe it or not, this all applies to designing your life and living a better life. Last thing we're going to talk about is just a little bit of the earthworks, like what you do um, with one of the parts of permaculture. And then uh, that'll pretty much be it. And so with that, uh, let's talk about the sponsors. So the first sponsor today is um, Revive JC. That was my former it's his website right now, but when I was in Jersey City, when I did research permaculture and I learned it, I just wanted to teach it to everybody. I was designing my property in Jersey City to be uh, somewhat, you know, permaculture. It's like a design, I don't know, uh, show people what you could do in an urban setting. I, I can't think of it right now. It's 530 in the morning, people. Uh, <laughs> having my first cup, second cup of coffee. Um I got to get this out of the way because it's going to be a very busy day. So pardon my puns. That didn't make sense. So Revive JC was my little website. I was designing people's backyards, properties. Um, I was holding a lot of workshops in my house. I had a permaculture meetup every, ooh, I don't remember. I think it was Thursdays. Yeah, it, yeah. Every Thursday, people would come there and we would do anything permaculture. It's kind of like the same thing homesteading, you know, but... It doesn't have the fancy name, and they definitely incorporate 
very well together. So check it out, revivejc.com. Um, it's not really a sponsor. Everything that I say on here, I don't take any money for any sponsors. These are all just my things going on. Like the next sponsor, Quarry Fest 420. Uh, that's our music festival. And don't worry, the song of the day is not the Quarry Fest jingle. You can hear the Quarry Fest jingle if you'd like. You want to hear it? No. Um, but it is an all-day music festival. April 20th is just around the corner. Today's the 5th. We're going to have 15 bands now. Beer from Rusty Rail, a local brewery. Um, Inglebean will be there. Brazilian Munchies. All kind of really amazing. Two stages. Going to have a Mongolian yurt. With the fireplace on, we'd have a tent galore in case it rains. We would be well covered. One of my buddies is providing all the tenting for the event. So we have volunteers. Um, one of the reasons why I have to get to, uh, I have a very busy day today is because John Clare is coming by again to reassess the area that I need for a parking lot. So at the base, right outside of the quarry, there's a piece of land that was used for like the cement trucks or whatever the quarry land was doing over there. And, you know, it's got like a foundation for some bases and for rock crushers. So he's going to pretty much just level that out, make it a parking lot again, which it used to be for all the trucks and everything. And so I did have a GoFundMe going on. I still have a GoFundMe going on. We're trying to raise money for that event. Uh, so check it out, GoFundMe.com. Pardon me, I have to sneeze for a second. No, I'm not going to sneeze. Um, so to GoFundMe.com, QuarryFest, check it out. QuarryFest.com for tickets. You could buy them there. Go to BrownPaperTickets.com and just search QuarryFest, QuarryFest. Um one thing before we get into the topic of permaculture, uh, if you guys would, would you please, and gals, of course, would you please share this podcast with anybody? You know, I'm trying to spread the word of homesteading and it's kind of good right now because I'm just getting into my permaculture voice. I mean, my podcasting voice and try not to say the ease too loud. So it's good that, you know, uh, millions of people aren't listening to me yet because I'm still trying to work everything out. But if you could, you know, I got to grow and I want to, you know, send this out to more people, you know, um, share it, let people know about it. Send everybody to DennisAllen.com or forward this podcast, whatever you uh, think you could do to help. I would definitely appreciate it. It would be very appreciated. So what is permaculture? Um, permaculture was started by... Kind of like the, I don't want to say it was ever started because you'll understand. So this guy, Bill Mollison, he's uh, an Aussie out there in Australia. And uh, he studied indigenous people, their practices. And so he would, you know, study like the Native Americans, the, the people in Australia, South America. And he pretty much studied how they lived. How did they um, provide for themselves? What did he do to the land? How did they grow? Like the Native Americans used to rotate their, their where they grew every seven years. So you would never just keep destroying the land. So he studied all these different indigenous people and kind of coined the phrase uh, permaculture. Um, so he, he started that movement. His, um, his, his, I guess, who he passed the... the Permaculture torch down to was Jeff Lawton. 
Um, and he's the one that got me into permaculture. Uh, I was actually listening to, well, to get into the, the, the really base of how I got into permaculture, I was actually searching for a new house. Uh, I was currently living in an apartment. At this time, I was a complete city boy, shaven face every day, Hugo Boss suits, you know, hanging out with celebrities every day. And I was kind of getting sick of it. And, uh, you know, my next step, I just, you know, wanted to buy more real estate. So <clears throat> I was looking for a house. It took me a couple years to, to find a place. You know, you definitely never want to rush into anything like that. Um, so I was looking for a place and I, one of my criteria that I wanted was a backyard. Um, I had a little garden when I was younger in Elizabeth. We, um, Eventually, when I was like a late teen, mid-teen, we had a little, uh, my family finally saved up enough money to buy a house, and so we had a little house and had a little garden in the backyard. We did that. My grandfather was a farmer back in Massachusetts. He, I remember when I was younger, he took me to the old farmhouse, and it's still there. It's someone's, you know, rich farmhouse now. But he was going through and telling me, you know, about the property that this used to be part of the farm. So I came from a farmer. Um, so that was always an interest of mine. He never really gardened too much. Um, I would help my grandfather plant trees here and there. And, you know, he wasn't a, definitely a farmer or anything. When, when he was a farmer, that's how he learned how to fly um, as a kid because they did a conventional farm and he sprayed the crops. So... He started learning to fly because he was a farmer and they had to spray the crops. So that's the kind of farmer he was. But my mother was a, a hippie. Um, if she listened, she'd probably hate that I called her a former hippie. But she definitely was. Um, now I think she's a Republican. I don't know what she is. But anyway, it's not about her. Um, <laughs> so she did garden. And we had a great garden in the backyard. Uh, you know, it was a till garden, so you had to turn over the soil every year. I am definitely a no-till kind of guy when it comes to that. But I always wanted a backyard, so my new house, I, uh, I was going to make sure it had a backyard. So I started doing research. Um, I would kind of Google, you know, best type of garden or had a garden. Should I do raised beds? Or I, didn't, I didn't even know about raised beds back then. So just doing all this kind of research. I guess I did know about raised beds when I was in the condo. Because um, I was planning on doing something like that. So all my research, I find, you know, like survivalist researches, you know, uh, places that are talking about this thing, permaculture. Um, so I think that's how I first found out about it was through uh, one of these podcasts. And I was very intrigued. You know, they're they're talking about designing a system the way a forest is in the way that indigenous people did it you know so it was very intriguing I, I was getting very into the green movement you know trying to save money you know by cutting your electric bills down um things like that so it all kind of like worked hand in hand you know i i didn't want to put chemicals on my food because i thought that that was stupid and so i want it kind of that rabbit hole led me down funneled me down i should say into permaculture so that's kind of how i got into it um just looking for a back you know for for a little backyard garden 
once I found permaculture, I started studying it. You know, I was working my last three years, three, four years, maybe. Um, I was working in a call center. You know, we, we called it like an early retirement because before that I was helping run 18 stores in Manhattan, all the Verizon Wireless uh, locations. So I took an early retirement gig. I went into the corporate world, went to the corporate office, and uh, just sat at a desk all day in a call center. You know, nice big window, you know, had nice views of the country and everything because it was in upstate New York. But because I didn't really have to do anything, I went from running 18 stores in Manhattan to running 12 people saying, thank you for calling. You want to buy a phone? Uh-huh. Um, so it was very easy. I did a lot of researching. Um, I took my first um, online course was with uh, Jeff Lawton. So he was the the uh, protege of Bill Mollison. So he's the one that run, runs the Permaculture Institute of Australia, uh, PRI, actually Permaculture Research Institute. It's in Australia, but it's a global thing. Um, he had an, on, an online course. Uh, I took that. It was it was a big chunk of money. It was I think fifteen hundred dollars. So I took that. It was it's a forty hour, um, really intensive course, online course. You have to submit a design. So I did that. I actually designed my mother's property. She kind of has like a suburban house in the uh, in central, not central Jersey. I guess North Jersey. I don't know where she lives. I mean, I do, but. Central Jersey, I guess. Um, it's nice, you know, a little piece of property. So I designed that. I passed. I like to think with flying colors. I really could see permaculture. You know, I have a very, um, my mind is a very like engineering kind of mind, engineer's mind. So permaculture fits that very nicely because I see patterns. I see like the overall picture. I could understand, you know, when you look at a property or overall, you know, even a state. You know, you could see where the wet parts are and where the water drains, things like that. So you, that works really well with permaculture. So it, you know, math and English, they ain't my best subjects, but permaculture, I could really understand the design science of it. So it was very fun. Um, I just went right through the course and I, you know, did all kind of other research. And so I got my PDC. I got another one from somebody else just to kind of, you know, it's always good to get two two different views of something so i took another one that was with um uh i forget they're not even around anymore but it was part of the podcast um jack spirico he uh he started his own permaculture institute that's still there the property so they did do a you know really nice thing and build some property but they tried to have a pdc it was it was good it was Nice to see someone else's view of permaculture and, you know, what they do. So I have two PDCs. I uh, I took that knowledge. I did eventually buy a house. And like I said, I was having the meetups and everything. And so I had a Jersey City house. It had a little backyard. It was 20 feet wide. I think it was about 40 or 60 feet long. Um, I would say 40. It was probably about double the width. Yes, it was 40. It wasn't 60. Beyond that, it was uh, when I bought the house, there was this fence and it was just all sticker bushes and just garbage land. It was kind of on the cliff. So I eventually took that down. I designed my whole backyard with the concepts and practices of permaculture. 
Um, and it was beautiful. It was really beautiful. I kind of got sick of that. So that's one of the, the many reasons why I got out of Jersey City because, you know, I'm, I'm doing soil samples and the, all the dirt there is toxic. And so I started redoing all the soil, but it was just not the place for me. Um, and permaculture helped me get that out, get me out of there. So the three main ethics of permaculture are care of the earth, care of people, and return of sur surplus. Um, there's a little bit of controversy in the last one, uh, but I'm going to give you what my view of it is because I don't get into the politics of anything. You know, some people are turning it into a socialist thing that, you know, you're supposed to just give everything away for free. Um, I definitely like to give things away for free and support others, but I don't think just giving everything away for free is the answer. I think you should teach someone how to fish instead of just giving them a fish. That's what Jesus taught. So I stick with Jesus on that. I am not religious people. I just think Jesus was an amazing man and I love what he taught and i think he everybody should uh live more like jesus so that's my two cents on religion so care of the earth it's pretty simple don't mess up the earth care for it do the right thing you know don't just dig a hole and pour toxins in it you know it could be something as simple as that or it could be as irrelevant or or so far from from your your touch or view of care of the earth as to like you're buying something that you know came from a factory farm that that um or yeah a factory farm that just destroying the land you know they're spraying they're monocropping they're not adding anything to the soil when you get these big monocrop farms you know they're just just destroying the land they they take out of the the nutrients that's one of the reasons why i don't till because when you till you're you're destroying the the layers of the soil you know the earth has layers the top layers where all the life is when you till the soil when you turn that up you're killing all the the layers of um mushrooms in there and the organisms and all the good stuff you know that's that's taken years to to build up so when you just turn it upside down maybe the first year or two you might get some you know benefits from that but as time goes by it, it, you're just killing the soil if you're doing that every single year you know it, it takes time to build up that that really good nutrient rich soil on top so if you're Doing a monocrop, you're just spraying everything, you know, you're, you're putting fertilizer in it, NPK, the three things that your plants need to grow. I would disagree with that. I think your plant and you need millions of things to grow on. You know, you can live on bread and water alone, but how healthy you're going to be. So same thing with plants. If you're just giving them the potassium nitrate and the um, NPK, uh, uh, anyway, the NPK, the three fertilizer things. If you're just giving it that, what about all the other nutrients that that soil did have when it was the 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 way it was when nature had it? You know, if you go into a into a conventional farm, I had this on one of my uh, videos. I show just the soil of these big, you know, monocrop cornfields, and it's just 
it's terrible. You know, the soil is just like, it's falling apart. It's brown. It's dead. You crumble in it. There's no life in it. You go into a forest, you stick your hand in that soil and it's just gleaming. There's all kind of twigs and sticks and worms and bugs in it. It's just full of life. So when you're not taking care of the earth and you're, you're buying something from, from far away, you know, that's, that needed a truck to take the diesel out of the, the oil from the ground and ship it over here. You know, that that's all care of the earth, you know. So the more I got into permaculture, the more I even, you know, realized how things like that, care of the earth, reflected in my entire life. You know, the vehicle I drove, how I got to work, you know, the, the new suits that I had to buy and the new T-shirts I had to buy, in, you know, every year and what was that doing to the earth, you know? The next thing in permaculture is care of people. And, you know, just the same thing of, you know, my clothes, you know, care of people. Am I buying a t-shirt that I spent $30 on? And did a kid come from across the country destroying the earth? And was it made by somebody making, you know, two cents an hour? That's really completely getting abused. And in my view, it was. And that's, that's another reason why I stopped selling, ooh, excuse me, the damage wear t-shirts, you know, I, I didn't feel comfortable having those products being taken from one, you know, the resources and the labor of people from one part of the, the country and bring it here. I'd rather sell a local t-shirt, somebody that made here in the, in the USA or even in my own town. That's care of people. You, you, you don't want to harm your neighbors, you know, if you're spraying chemicals and, and if you don't believe in it, you know, you're still harming your neighbors because downstream from that, you're putting chemicals on their property that they don't want. So care people is the second ethics of, of, uh, permaculture, you know, don't buy garbage, you know, um, care people also is, is yourself. (laughs) I put a little note in here. Don't eat crap. You know, it's so true. You know, care of people. Well, you're a person. And do I have to say any more? You know, the stuff that you're putting in your body, if you're eating that corn that is grown in that dead soil that has to be injected with fertilizers to grow, you know, is that corn healthy? Is it sprayed with chemicals that are designed to kill? Is that healthy? Is that care of people? Is that care for yourself? You know? So don't eat crap. (laughs) I could talk about that all day long. Um, The third one, return a surplus. Uh, It is also spoken about um, limit population. You know, so don't have a million kids if you can't feed them. Um, That's a very healthy way to live life. You know, don't, don't have... A hundred thousand people in a square mile, you know, what is that doing to the care of the earth and care of people? You know, that's limiting the, the amount of resources you need as inputs. Um, also your outputs. So I'm not taking a lot of SERP, uh, uh, inputs and I'm not sending anything out so return a surplus is also um the third ethic 
is also talking about like things like composting, you know, throwing stuff away, you know, don't buy the whatever the cocoa puffs in a jar. Try to take a jar to get the cocoa puffs. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of you shouldn't eat cocoa puffs, but if you go to like those whole food centers and places like that, you can just buy it in bulk. Use your own containers or a reusable bag, something like that. Instead of um, getting something with garbage and throwing it out. So you want to keep your garbage on hand. And the big thing of that is, you know, like, all right, whatever he's talking about, you know, garbage. I'm talking about everything, like your poop, your water. You know, right now we're, we're taking water and we're destroying the earth by shipping it from far places. They're putting chemicals in it. And then you're flushing it into an, in, into a sewer system, and then that's going into the ocean and things like that. So things like composting your water and your poop and all of your organic waste. You know, we we one of my side hustles or one of my investments that I stuck a couple of dollars in is a uh, Entohact, and it's a waste management system where they're trying to take or or they're doing it now actually. They're taking organic waste. And from say like New York City, from food processing places, from restaurants, things like that, and they're feeding it to black soldier fly larvae. You know, it's kind of like worm composting, but with a, a a larvae. It's kind of like a worm, but it's just a little eating machine that wants to get all the energy, all the nutrients. Yum 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 yum. It'll eat anything except for cellulose, and it'll turn into a super packed protein bug. That you take that and then you could feed other things too. So that's a composting. I just acquired um, or got back. I don't know. It went from a couple people. A uh, black soldier fly larvae bin. So I'm going to start doing that in my own home right now. Right now my composting is 30 acres and dig a hole and stick it on the land. But (laughs) I do want to get a little uh, more technical once I get water and things like that going. So composting, return a surplus, don't send things out, keep it on your property. You know, you could take that compost and and, and you're building an ecosystem, you know, and think of a, a circle, you know, all the inputs are there already, the outputs are staying there and the outputs are making new inputs for yourself, you know, going around and around and around, you know. So return a surplus, care of people, care of earth, three ethics of permaculture and when you look at things like that, you you could base your whole life around that, you know, care of people, you know, you're building a business, you know, you don't want that business to wreck the earth, wreck its own property, you know, when you rip down a, a, a building to build up another building, that's, you're destroying the earth because those products came from the earth. So if you could rehab a building and save all that from going to the landfill and messing up the earth, you're going to have a better business. If you're caring for people, chances are what you're selling to is a person. So let that sink in. Do the right thing for people and your business will be better. Return a surplus, you know, you can't just take all the profits and spend them. You know, you have to return them into the business. You don't want to, as a business owner, whatever you're doing, if you're selling cheese or, or an ingle bean or a concert venue or whatever you're doing in life, you know, you you would rather minimize the inputs. You know, if you can make your own soap detergent, that's saving you money. You know, so that's a better way of building a business. If it's going to save you money, 
your you know you see what i'm saying so these eth- these ethics are a good way to build a business a lifestyle a permaculture farm a city farm things like that next thing moving into zones so there are five different zones in permaculture and think of it as your house is like um, some people call it zone zero i don't like to really call it zone zero it's your base and then the zones are from outside of that because i think when you're building and, and like i took the three ethics of permaculture you could do the same thing for a house when i'm taking a house and making it a zone zone zero i don't think that's right i think your house is its own permaculture five zone design like i'm going to be building a house so i want to build my house in the same way so i think within a house you should you could still have the five um zones so let me just start off by saying and make it easier for a a city of uh, uh for the country so here in the country i have 30 acres my zone one garden is going to be right outside when i build my house some people would say the house is zone zero but you'll see why i don't so my house outside of my house is zone one it's everything right outside the garden so if I want to go outside, grab some mint for my coffee or tea in the morning, or if I want to, you know, grab a tomato, you know, my chicken eggs maybe sometimes could be zone one. Um, that's right outside your house. The second one is a little further, you know, so you have to walk past the garden into the, say, the chicken coop, or that's where you have the goats, you have to water them every day, or your, you know, your dogs or whatever. Something you're going to see more often. It's more pretty much like a an area of more visited so number one you're going to visit every day number five you're going to visit it every say month so the second one you're going to want to have you know like your your smaller animals uh, maybe some of your like berries things like that the third zone you're just thinking of something a little bit more outside of that area maybe your larger animals where they you know you have to maybe turn on their water every couple of days you know just make sure their water is full uh, your bees, you just want to check out them everybody, you know, every couple of days. You see where it's going? The fourth one is, like on my property, it's going to be my food forest. So above my house on the high hill, I'm going to have my food forest. That's something you want to be in there probably every week. Maybe just do some, you know, make sure there's no, you, you want the weeds growing. Um, but something that's not overtaking or, you know, a vine that's, suffocating a pear tree or something so that'll be my four my fourth zone and then the fifth zone is pretty much the wild forest whatever area on your land you could say here nature whether it's you know one acre out of 30 or if it's 30 or 28 acres out of 30 if you're only designing a small area your zone five is going to be the area where you just go crazy like have fun nature do what you got show me in 10 years what you did so those are the five different levels and so you could you know base it also in a house you know so that's why i don't really like saying the house is zone zero because you want to base that internally you know where are you spending most of the time kitchen you know everybody knows that so you want to design things around that what you're you're going to you know your pet food is going to be in that zone two area where your dog lives you know living room maybe Zone five is going to be your attic or like in the the loft where you store everything. 
You see what I'm saying about that? So zone four maybe is the TV room where, you know, you might on Fridays, you know, watch a, a movie with the family or the game room could be a zone. You see what I'm going with that? So with that that structure, you could design a business, you could design a home, you could design um, anything. So that's how this, the layers tie into a country. And then real quick, I'm going to go into how I did it in Jersey City. You know, So some of you all are still stuck in the city, trying to get out of the city. And how could you design permaculture in your life, even if you just have a little house? So you design my, so this is actually based on my, what my house was. Number one, I had um, window planters and I had like a little porch garden. So something, you know, I lived on the second floor, something you could just reach outside the window, grab some herb, right in your tea. Boom. That's zone one. Um, number two was my backyard garden and my chicken coop. So I was out playing with the beddies every day, opening up the door. I didn't have anything automated, you know, with my, my homestead, I'm going to have my chickens automated. So I don't have to go there every day. You know, I have automatic doors open and close, you know, I'll probably walk by it, make sure everyone's doing good, make sure it's working and I'll, I'll visually see it. But when I was in the Jersey city dwelling, number two was my my um, chicken coop because I was there every day to open and maintain them and it was you know very close to my house. My third section on my property was a perennial section. It's kind of like the the food forest of of the zone four in my country house. But here it was my perennial section, which was kind of just like you know I had. Couple pear tree, uh, a pear tree, an apple tree. That had you know, they both had different varieties of the same fruit. So it was kind of like a little section in my backyard that I didn't go there. I had to jump over a little, you know, four foot fence or three foot fence for the chickens couldn't go in there. But that was my perennial section. I didn't go there often. It was just as close as my chicken coop. But not always. It's it's not always a matter of walking distance. It's a matter of time spent in that area. The fourth zone I had was my front yard. It had a um, a mulberry tree in there and it had a couple perennials growing in, in the ground. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I walked through it every day, but I didn't go there and spend a lot of time maintaining it. So that would probably be like my, my zone four would be my front yard. And then my zone five was the... The area behind my land that it was the city property. Some of it was probably like a zone four because I had some fig trees and things growing in there. Um, my beehives were probably in like like back there, but because we were there more often, you know, it God, that would be a weird maybe like a zone two in the city. I would design my bees even though they were like surrounded by zone five and you had to walk far, but it was really only like fifty feet away, you know, downhill. So. If you were in the backyard, you know, you, maybe you could just grow one little corner. Like my one little corner in my backyard was my perennial section that I just kind of, you know, let those kind of grow wild. But maybe you could just stick like one little corner, just give it to nature and say, hey, you know, go crazy, whatever you want to do. So those are the five different zones of designing with permaculture. Now, there's also um, layers that we talk about a lot in permaculture. And what that is, is like a layer of a forest. So you 
when you're building things like a, a food forest, this, this works a lot, or even a garden. You know, you have different layers of food. Everybody knows about the um, uh, sister garden. You have the corn and you have a squash growing up the corn stalk. And then you have beans. No, beans grow up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So squash grows. Um, it's a vine, but it's a ground cover. And then the beans grow up the corn stalk. And the corn stalk is the upper layer. So think of that as like a canopy. You have a vine layer and then a ground cover. So there are a couple more, but... You kind of get the point. You see, there's three different layers of that. I mean, those three things to be grown in like a six-inch diameter. You know, so that little area, instead of just having that corn growing there, you have different layers, just like a forest. So the the layers in in permaculture or just actually in a, in a forest are a canopy layer. All right, that's the uppermost layer. That's the re really tall trees. Say maybe like the acorn trees that. You know, it's kind of like the zone five. You know, you're you're not up there very much. Right below that, you have the sub canopy, and those are probably like the smaller trees you could walk around in the forest. You know, and, and they don't they grow underneath the canopy. They're not going to reach as high as those trees. So these are things like apple trees that you could just pick from pear trees. You know, the low <laughs> low lying low hanging fruit. That's the sub canopy. Below, before, below that, um, some people put this lower, but I have the vine ca- the the vine layer, and that's you know the things growing up the trees like the grapes. So picture grapes growing up that you know big pine tree or the big um, acorn tree that you're not picking acorns; they're falling down to you. Imagine you know grapes growing up that. The layer below that is a shrub layer. So think of like uh, big raspberry bushes, you know, they're, they're, you know, they could get six, seven feet tall, but it's still, it's, it's ground based. It's growing on the ground. So that's that layer, you know, in the forest, it could be a million different varieties of plants, but if you're growing and designing your own forest, you want that shrub layer to produce something for you. The next layer is the herbaceous layer. That's any kind of like herbs growing, you know, so like mints on the ground, kind of, you know, like a little bushy kind of thing. Um, That's another layer. So you could, if you're going to design this garden, you're going to put things that you want, like mint and thyme and things like that. Below that, you have a ground cover. So think of something like sorghum or, is sorghum a ground cover? Yeah. Um, Clover, things like that. You know, you could put that down as a ground. Strawberries. You know, imagine a whole, you know, a forest. You don't want the whole forest, but of, of, of ground cover strawberries. You know, that's another layer. And then the seventh layer, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, already seven layers, just want to make sure, is the rhizome layer. Those are things growing in the ground, you know, like your sweet potatoes or a big, you know, root kind of thing. So those are the seven layers. There's a canopy, subcanopy, a vine, shrub, herbaceous, ground cover, and rhizome. So seven layers. You could picture a big tree, a little tree underneath it, vines growing up the trees, big, big shrubs growing underneath the secondary tree. Underneath that, you have like smaller shrubs, uh, herbs growing, things like that. 
then on the ground, what's growing on the ground, and then what's growing underneath the ground. So those are the seven layers. And when you're designing with these layers, you want to make sure that you fill every single one of these layers because in nature, this is the way nature does it. And if you don't have any of these layers, guess what? Nature is going to put something in there. So if you have, <clears throat> um, say if you just start off with an empty field, you, know, you don't have anything, what's going to grow? The first thing that's going to grow is the, the things are going to come from the roots. You know, things, seeds are going to start growing. That's going to be the first layer. Then it's going to come up to the ground. It's going to start covering it with whatever it's going to cover. You're going to probably every, it's going to grow what it, it, the soil is requiring. It's going to grow what it has available to it, what's best for its own climate. It's amazing how nature works. And this is why you want to study nature. You want to see what nature would do. You want to read the, you know, what's growing out of these, um, what's growing out of the bear lane. And that's another topic. But so the first thing's going to grow is the tubular things are going to come from the earth. It's going to cover the ground in the ground cover. And then what's going to happen? You have like uh, the, the herbaceous things. You have little bushes growing. And then above those little bushes, that's going to give um, a bigger bush the opportunity to grow. Then that's going to shade the smaller one. Sometimes it's going to kill out the, the second layer. And that second layer is going to get pushed out a little bit more. And then things are going to start stacking on top of that. So whenever you're designing any kind of land, if you're leaving out a layer, nature's going to fill that layer. So you want to make sure that you have all those all those things in place because that's going to make it a lot easier for you to maintain this property and and to design it and have it produce for you. That's why homesteaders and survivalists and people like that really love permaculture because you could kind of like set it and forget it if you build it right. The last thing I want to talk about real quick is uh, earthworks and how you design the the actual 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 oh that was weird hold on please i'm gonna pause this for a second oh that's better hello all right so it's the way you design the land um in jersey city i usually water is the 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 main reason why you want to design land, not the main, but one of the most important ones, aspect to sun is a huge one. When I was looking for this property, um, I was very, my, if it wasn't facing south, I was not going to buy it. I did not want a north facing hill because of things with earthworks. So how the earth works is if you're facing north, you're going to still have ice in April and snow. You're facing south. The first time the sun comes out, the snow melts. So that aspect of where you're even buying your property is so huge, and that's part of the earthworks of, of designing what your what your overall picture is going to be of this property. Another thing is you want to hold you want water on your property, right? That's part of the earth cycle. You know, rain comes down, waters everything. It's part of the earth. So if you build um, like terrace on a hill, you know, say level terrace, we call them swells in permaculture are a little different. So imagine a hill like my hill, if you know what my hill looks like, 
and it's round. And so level on contour, you have layers going down the hill. They're like ditches. So when it rains, it fills up the top ditch and then it overflows into the, the ditch, you know, three feet below that. And then the one below that. And so what it does is really slows the water from just hitting my ground and going into the creek. You say, I do creek. You got to say creek when you're around here. It's not creek. It's creek. So if you didn't have these swales, what would happen on that property? Um, say your animals are on there or whatever. All the nutrients, all the bird droppings and dead flies and the dead leaves and the water itself, when it hits that hill, it's going to saturate the first couple layers. But after that, you know, unless it's laying on that, you know, sitting there to soak in, it's just going to all sheet down the hill. So every time it rains, you know, April showers, you want to try to control that water. So you want to build swells. And that's going to, it doesn't stop the water from going in the creek. It just slowly allows it to flow down the hill. So think of a sponge. If you stick water in a big old sponge and put it on a, on a, a tilt, all that water is eventually going to leave that sponge. It's never going to stay there. But if you had things growing in that sponge, those plants could, could take up that that water from the April shower that, you know, it didn't rain for two months, but the water is still, you know, deep, deep, deeply saturated. So that those, those, those roots of those, say, like a, a herbaceous plant, like maybe a comfrey can reach really down in there and pull up those minerals, pull up that water and it will survive a lot longer without water. And it'll be able to get more nutrients because all those nutrients are now stuck in those swells and it's it's staying in there and it's feeding the soil just by not being able to get washed in the ground. So the way you're designing your earthworks, I'm going to put the swells in there. In the city, what I did, because it's kind of like it was level and it was too small to really design swells into it. What I did was I actually just put a swell around the property the lower part of the property. And I didn't do it on contour. I just made it contour. So every time it rained, my backyard filled up. You know, people thought it was flooding. I was like, no, it's not flooding because it'll overflow and it'll go down the hill or, you know, into the Hudson River eventually. Um, I was only a mile from Hudson River, so it definitely went into Hudson River. But I kept the water on my property. So... You know, a week later when, when everybody else's property was dry and he had to go out there with hoses, my, my soil was, it wasn't soggy or anything, but it was, you dug down three inches. It was like, oh, this is nice, you know, moist soil. So the way you're designing your earth is, is very big. Um, you don't get really too many chances with that. I mean, you can, but, you know, how do you redesign an entire property once you build a house on it and... And put a bunch of trees and stuff. So in permaculture, <clears throat> you know, since you're trying to get the overall view, you know, you have the five, uh, you, you, you're starting off with the three ethics. You're looking at the five zones of where you're going to plant things. And then what you plant, you're going to design with layers. And there's so many other things too. You know, permaculture isn't like a rule book. Or it's not, you know, like, oh, you got to use uh, aquaponics or you have to recycle your water. You don't have to do any of that. It's just the design, the way you're looking at things, you know. 
just overall design, I guess you could say. I don't know. It's still early. I'm still working on my second cup. It's getting cold because I've been talking to you for 47 minutes. I love it. I hope you guys are enjoying a cup of coffee or enjoying your ride into work or whenever you're listening to me. Thank you all for listening. You know, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to do a little side tangent here. Thank you all. You know, I'm looking at where people are listening to people in California, Ohio, Florida. It's amazing. We have somebody in Holland now, uh, in the Netherlands listening. It's really amazing. So thank you all for that. Care of people. See, if I take care of you guys, you'll take care of me, guys, and you'll listen to the end, uh, which we are wrapping up. So overall, you know, with my property, I, I've been sitting back. It's been a couple years now, and I'm doing small things. I'm really trying to get the feel of the land. I know where the water flows. I know where I'm going to build ponds to keep water on. You know, with the earthworks, man, you want to build ponds galore. I, 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 ponds are so good for the land. They're good for your mental state. You know, walking around this property. Imagine this property built. There's food everywhere. You just walk in. Is oh look, there's some strawberries. Oh look, look blueberries. Oh look, an apple. You know, just walking through this, and you find little ponds throughout the property. And oh, it's going to be so good for everybody. It's going to be great for the earth. I'm going to be keeping all my resources on a property, not taking any resources from other places, feeding myself, keeping my own health, my mental health. Designing all that into your life. You know, my my tagline or whatever, it kind of sounds, you know, cheesy. You know, a city boy who gave it all up to find happiness, financial freedom, and a better way to live life. I mean, permaculture and designing my property and my life, it, it fulfills all of those. You know, happiness, like you could hear me saying how happy it is. going to be walking around on my property, looking at everything. Financial freedom, I mean, if I grow enough sweet potatoes and a couple of staple foods... I could live without working, you know, because my old investment and I saved a lot of money and hustled, hustled, hustled. I was able to buy this property cash, you know, so I'm paying a couple dollars a year in taxes. And if I could eat sweet potatoes for free, I wouldn't have to feed myself. Water is going to be provided for free. Well, after I get my windmill up and running, you know, so this is the financial freedom. And doing things like this, it's helping people. You know, like my windmill. Just real quick. Care of the earth. I'm not taking water out of, you know, somewhere far away and shipping it and, you know, starving another place. I'm taking water off my property and putting it back on my property. And it'll soak back into my well that's 420 feet down. I mean, that's that's how you have to do things. The cycle. My water cycle is complete. If I pee in my property, that water... We'll be down back in my reservoir in 10,000 years, you know? So that's the way to do it. And just overall, a better way to live life, you know? Just everything about this. And if you base your life on these three principles, even, you know, the zones, things like that, you're going to have a more happy life if you design your work around this, around these things, you know? Do I really have to drive you know, two hours to work? Do I have to drive an hour? Can I get a, a job that... Maybe I'm saving, you know, two hours a day on a commute. You know, that's that's uh, 10 hours a week. Man, that's a lot on your commute. If you could not do that and not have to wake up, uh, you know, 
earlier or whatever, waste that much time and still make the same amount of money or maybe make a little bit less but gain 10 hours a week extra in your life, that's huge, man. That is huge. And you're doing better for the earth and everything else. So I'm very passionate about permaculture. I've been trying pleasantly to pause the pops in permaculture and poo-poo. So thank you guys for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, it means so much for me that you guys are listening to me. Um, this is Permaculture 101. Thank you for listening. Um, just a real, real quick shout out if anyone's listening this Saturday. Um, tomorrow we are having a big cleanup day at the quarry. So come on down if you're around. Uh, quarry Fest, all that good stuff. I'm going to be actually tomorrow. Oh, I got to change that. Um, the homesteading meetup. We're going to... I'm going to bring that over to my property and we're going to clean. I don't know if that makes sense, but I don't know. Anyway, thanks for listening, people. Um, the song of the day. Oh, yeah. Song of the day is um, by David Griswold. <laughs> That's funny. That's the Griswold. And it's called the Permaculture Song. So I found this online. Some crazy permaculture hippie played it so he seems pretty cool i'm gonna check him out they have a an online thing so enjoy this song as always love talking to you guys enjoy your summer enjoy your week enjoy your life dennis allen oh permaculture design just finished up my course wanna take it home take the world on a tour to force of fruits and trees flowers and bees sprouts and seeds enough for you and me First come the earth, yeah, you got to take care of it. Then come the people, then each is fair share of it. Design for the earth and you design for yourself. Help design a world better for you and everybody else. Yeah, principle one, observe and interact. Or you won't get far, man, that is just a fact. Principle two, capture and store energy. Put the water in the ground instead of washing out the sea. Principle three, is often so so tasty it's obtain a yield no matter what you grow it got to eat to work to live to make it worth all the hoeing principle four i keep you on track self-regulate and accept feedback by that i mean you got to know that things change don't be afraid to learn from nature's ways First come the earth, yeah, you got to take care of it. And then come the people, and each is fair share of it. Design for the earth, and you design for yourself. Help design a world better for you and everybody else. Principle five, it's better to be renewable. Hydroelectric, solar power, it's super doable. You don't need a tractor if you got a horse. If you got two hands, you don't need brute force. Principle six, waste is an illusion. Nature recycles all while we waste time in confusion. Principle seven, design for patterns to details. Ain't you got the answer from the spiral to the sweet swell? Principle eight, integrate, integrate. Each element multifunctional. Each function support the just in case. First come the earth, yeah, you got to take care of it. Then come the people, then each is fair share of it. Design for the earth, and you design for your.
yourself Help design a world better for you and everybody else Four more principles to go, here we go A principle nine, keep it small, take it slow Get the most for the least, you got to go with the flow Yo, principle ten, value diversity One basket too small for all the eggs you're gonna need Principle eleven's all about the edges Value the margin, less row more hedges Principle twelve, get creative with change Each an opportunity to grow and rearrange Then come the people, then each his fair share of it Design for the earth and you design for yourself Help design a world better for you And everybody else oh, 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 oh. Everybody else Everybody else oh. Because first come the earth, you got to take care of it Then come the people, then each his fair share of it That's permaculture.